Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Mr. President of Goldwyn Mayor's Edward Arnold. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Our Mr. President drama will begin in just a moment. But meanwhile, I'd like to say a word about the generations of American men and women who have found their greatest inspiration in the lives of the presidents of the United States. To Americans, there are no more stirring stories in the world than the stories of the men who have become the leaders of their country. Their deeds are direction pointers for the American mind. Now, for the first time in radio history... The American Broadcasting Company takes listeners behind the White House reception rooms and ballrooms glittering with gold braid and famous personalities into the privacy of the breakfast room and study where presidents are shown as individuals with human doubts, laughter, love, and faith. Mr. President is two biography built around the man who filled America's highest office. We invite you to listen now for our story of Mr. President. Now in just a moment, Edward Arnold. Arnold as Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It is Sunday and the old mansion is resting quietly after a busy week. We walk through the great doors under the presidential seal, across the foyer and down the long hall to the president's study. Oh, hello. Uh, Sit down, won't you? You know, it would be much easier for all of us if we could always do what we believe is the right thing to do, without hesitation, without compromise, without humiliation. But too often it doesn't work out that way, and sometimes we have to weigh our strongest convictions and loyalties against circumstances. Yes, sometimes we have to choose between two evils to save something we believe is good. A president had to make such a difficult choice once, but later on, of course, I'll tell you who that president was. Meanwhile, you may be able to guess. It was during a time when the financial integrity of our nation was in grave peril. I had already taken certain measures with limited success. I had not won a victory, only an armistice. And I knew that another trial of strength was inevitable. Here are some more letters for you to sign, Mr. President, but there's no hurry. Thank you, Miss Sarah. Thank you. Uh, Excuse me, Miss Sarah, what did you say? Just some letters for you to sign, but they can all wait until morning, sir. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, all right. I'll take care of them a little later. Thank you, Miss Sarah. Mr. President, don't you think... You sent word to the Secretary of the Treasury I wanted to see him tonight, didn't you? Oh, yes, sir, I mm-hmm. did. Mr. Carlyle should be here at any moment. Good, good, good. As if you ever slipped up on a thing like that. Look, Miss Sarah, 
Uh, why don't you call it a day? Oh, I've got a lot of things to catch up on, sir. And if you stayed up all night, you'd still have more. Do you want to force me to issue a proclamation to get to get you to keep decent hours? No, hmm? sir. <laughs> I'll go quietly. <laughs> but what about you, sir? You've been pacing this room for the past hour. I have. Well, yes, I guess I have. Miss Sarah, I've been looking for the end of a of an endless chain. Endless chain? Oh, just a figure of speech, Miss Sarah. Oh. Uh, excuse me. Sure. Sir. Good evening, Miss Sarah. Oh, hello, Mr. Carlyle. The president is waiting for you. Oh, come in, John. Uh, Miss Sarah. Yes, Mr. President. Uh, this is an official order. No more working for you tonight. <laughs> Very well. Good night. Good sir. night. Good night, Mr. Carlyle. Good night, Miss Sarah. I couldn't get here sooner, sir. I've had my department working overtime. Well, John, how does it stand? The gold reserve has dropped to 70 million. Still falling. Won't it ever stop? Not as long as gold is being exported or hoarded or being drained to pay out for legal tender. And the worst of it is the free silver men are encouraging all this. Yes, and uh, any day now I expect Silver Byron to come here and offer to pick the pieces up, huh? I could just hear him, sir, be all and end all is silver. Change the gold standard to silver and all the problems of the world are solved at once, yes. I Congressman know. Byron has powerful support, especially in the South and West. Not to mention a few silver mine owners. One thing you can be sure of, John, they won't miss a chance to force us off the gold standard. And if we don't replenish our gold reserve, we'll be at their mercy. I realize that, sir. I've used every means at my disposal to try to maintain a safe margin. I thought our recent bond issue might tide us over. John, we've got to try another bond issue. But, Mr. President... What else can we do? We're already down to 70 million. Unless we have at least 100 million in reserve, our treasury... Well, that means our country is in real trouble. Yes, I know. Anything can happen. Then I suggest that we offer another issue of 5% 10-year bonds, 50 millions to be on the safe side. We sell for gold and the bonds will be redeemable in coin. Very well, sir. But you know the resistance to coin payment. Everybody wants gold. I know, but we must proceed under the law, John, and that's the law unless Congress changes it. I'm sure that with the support from the bankers, the public will gladly buy these bonds. In that case, I'd better speak to Munson. Yes, Munson. King Moneybags himself. I guess you'd better talk to him... But, John, remember one thing. That government cannot, regardless of any public purpose, identify itself with private business or speculation. Just tell Mr. Munson that all his money won't be worth much if the United States Treasury collapses. Well, Mr. Carlyle, this is all vastly interesting. But tell me... Why does the president insist on doing things the hard way? Hard way, Mr. Munson? You know as well as I do, if the government bonds were payable in gold, you'd have no trouble at all selling them. But everybody suspects payment in coin. What if the government chose to pay in depreciated silver? Mr. Munson, the government's only interested in preserving a sound fiscal policy, not in making a profit from the purchases of its bonds. Then uh, I suggest, sir, that the government could save itself the possibility of embarrassment and failure if it arranged a confidential, uh, that is, private negotiation with the banking syndicate. It would be very easy to market your bonds in that manner. The president believes, and I agree with him, that a public issue open to all bidders will restore confidence in our treasury. Naturally, he expects the cooperation of the banks. Naturally. The issue is plain. The treasury's in trouble. Well, that concerns me, too. Now, mind you, Carlyle, I still disagree with the president on his procedure... However, under the circumstances, I will support your bond issue. Thank you, Mr. Munson. Thank me? For what? 
Mr. President. Yes, Miss Sarah. Here are the final figures from the Treasury Department, sir. Mr. Carlyle just sent them over. Mm-hmm. Well, we've sold almost 59 million. And we weren't sure we'd dispose of 50 million. Well, that's wonderful, Mr. President. With the bond issue a success, the crisis is over. For the moment? Yes, Miss Sarah. Well, you... You don't sound very happy about it, Oh, of course, I'm pleased, but I'm not deceiving myself. I'm afraid the endless chain will start moving faster than ever now. You never did explain to me what you mean by the endless chain. Well, call it a vicious vicious circle, if you want. You see, we've been trying to borrow gold faster than it's being drained from the Treasury. But now that we have more gold again, more people will want to redeem it for their pieces of paper. And so we'll have to issue more paper money to defray our expenses. And that means we'll need more reserve gold. Endless. Endless. We've got to face it, Miss Sarah. We're running at a deficit. And I don't know how we can get back on our feet unless I can persuade Congress to change existing fiscal provisions and grant the Secretary of Treasury more power to protect the gold reserve. What kind of power would he need, sir? The best way we can build up large gold credits, Miss Sarah, is to issue gold bonds. What we need is an act uh, pledging the government to repay its bonds specifically in gold. seems certain that the president's going to ask Congress to authorize gold bonds. Well, Larson, he could ask for the moon, too. That doesn't mean he's going to get it, does it? No, wait a minute. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. The moon's silver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if he did ask for the moon, we'd let him have it, wouldn't we? Well, there's no chance of him changing his mind on silver, you know that. Well, there's always a chance anybody will change his mind if he has to, even the president. And with the government in the red and the gold vanishing from the treasury, I think he'll see reason before long, especially with all the outstanding notes to embarrass him. After all, with free silver coinage, all his worries and ours will be over. So you see, Larson, it doesn't look bad. Not bad at all. It looks bad, Miss Sarah. Very bad. The endless chain... Worse than ever. The faster it goes, the more it squeezes. The last loan tidied us over for ten months. This time it's only taken ten weeks. For all the gold to disappear from the treasury. Why such a rush to redeem government bonds? Fear, Miss Sarah. Lack of confidence in our treasury. You know, the first thing a depositor does in a panic is to make a run on the bank. Well, if you have just bought a government bond and you're not sure that the government will be able to pay off in full value, you cash it in right away. But on the other hand, if everybody kept his bond, he'd be in much less danger. That's right. But don't blame the ordinary subscriber. Congress hasn't made any move to help the situation, and the bankers themselves have taken flight. Last month alone, they set a record of withdrawing over $43 million of gold. That doesn't inspire much confidence, does it? Well, I can't believe it's all deliberate, sir, since everybody depends on a stabilized treasury. Yeah, I don't believe anybody is deliberately trying to wreck the country, Miss Sarah. Who wants a panic? Who will help the... How will it help the bankers? Or the proponents of free silver. The trouble is, they're both so blinded by their special interests, they can't see that they threaten the general welfare. Now they've forced you into the middle so that whatever happens, it's on your shoulders. I don't mind the responsibility if I had the authority. If there were only some way to spot the flight of gold. If there were only... Miss Sarah, send for the Secretary of Treasury right away, would you please? Mr. President, I've explored every possibility. I frankly confess I don't know the answer. Who does, John? Oh, yes, there are a lot of answers, but 
What is the right one? How much have we in the reserve now? It's reached a new low point, sir. Forty-five million dollars. Forty-five million? There's no sign of withdrawals diminishing either. Why, a few large demands for sums of gold could cause... John, we could talk all night and every day and night. And while we're talking, the treasury could evaporate into zero. We have no time to talk. We've got to act. We've got to get out another bond issue at once. And even if it's successful, how long will, are we safe? The more gold we get, the faster it leaves the treasury. I don't care. I don't care how many times we have to do it. We've got to replenish the gold reserve whenever and as often as it becomes necessary. I'm convinced of that too, sir. But don't forget the trouble we had convincing Munson and the bankers on the last one. I haven't forgotten. Believe me, I haven't. We'll probably have even more resistance this time. But this is an emergency. And this time we'll try to get Congress to authorize the issue of gold bonds. Gold bonds? Yes. That will please the bankers and the public subscribers too. John, our job is to convince the Congress that we must sell bonds payable specifically in gold. <laughs> Mr. President, I've just heard what your plans are. Oh, have you, Congressman Byron? Bonds, bonds and more bonds, all payable in gold. Do you know what you're doing? I think so, Mr. Byron. You're completely wrecking the financial structure of this country. There happens to be an emergency. You know that as well as I do. Yes, an emergency manufactured out of your inflexible policy of a single standard of gold. I'm not talking about policy. I'm talking about a national treasury falling. It won't fall, not if you face the true facts. The reserve has dropped far below the danger point. And you think you can save it with silver? Somebody's got to save it or the whole country faces disaster. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. If you're not interested in a job with a long-range future, then what I'm going to say in the next minute isn't going to interest you. But if you're like most people who plan now for that tomorrow... And if you're a young woman between 17 and 35, here's something you might want to think about. The field of nursing offers one of the most promising careers any woman could enter. A graduate nurse is always in demand. She may enter many fields, the armed forces, airline services, or the public health services. While you're taking the three-year training course, you divide your time between classwork and nursing practice. In many cases, hospital training is supplemented by studies in college classes, laboratories, and public health. So, if you want a job that looks to the future, why not apply for admission to a school of nursing? Further information can be obtained from your nearest hospital. Now, back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. already guessed who the president was in this story. But don't forget our treasury has suffered a deficit several times in the past, and many of our presidents have had to face the gold versus silver controversy. Later on, of course, I'll tell you which one this was. I was greatly alarmed about the financial state of the nation, and I had a good reason to be. I had presented a special message to Congress proposing necessary financial reforms, but the free silver men seized advantage of the perilous situation. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, Congressman from Missouri, Mr. Byron, gentlemen of the House, you have heard the President's special message, or shall I say ultimatum to this Congress. Yes, gentlemen, the President of the United States has issued a declaration of war against silver. 
The President says there is an emergency. The Treasury has obligations. All right, then. Why doesn't it pay these obligations in silver? The Treasury has ample supplies of silver. Well, then I ask you, what is the emergency? Why must we throw fear into the hearts of our people for the love of gold? Miss Sarah, did you read Byron's speech to Congress? Yes, sir. He said, you love gold. Well, he loves silver. <laughs> well, that's very good, Miss Sarah, very good. Only he took an hour to say the same thing. And what's more, they listened to him. They say Mr. Byron always makes a great speech. I, I guess he believes in what he says, too. I can't condemn a man for expressing his opinion, but when he uses his own country's imminent disaster as a platform for his own project, well... He must be wrong from the start and all the way through. Unfortunately, sir, Congress was more impressed by his eloquence than his logic. You mean lack of it. And do you know what it's doing? Miss Sarah, it's pushing me into the banker's camp. I'd better have the Secretary of the Treasury listen to their proposition. Banking syndicate realizes just how precarious our position is, Mr. President. But Munson drives a hard bargain. When you've got something somebody else needs desperately, John, it's easy to drive a hard bargain. What are the terms? He offers to take bonds paying three and three quarter percent to the syndicate up to fifty million. But he knows we need at least a hundred million to stabilize our reserve. He knew that before I told him. And the interest rate he demands is higher than another government bond. He wouldn't budge a penny, sir. And those outrageous terms are the reward for dealing privately with him. Is that it? Well, we won't do it, John. Send him a rejection at once and tell him that I believe more than ever in the public bond issues. And I'll keep on going to the public for help. Very well, sir. Good day, Mr. President. Good day, John. And John, don't mince words with Munson, will you? I won't. Thank you. Good day, Miss Sarah. Good day, Mr. Secretary. Mr. President. Yes, Miss Sarah. Congressman Byron would like to see you, sir. Uh, hmm? Yes, sir. Mm, all right, send him in, please. Uh, Congressman, will you come in, please? Thank you, Miss Sarah. Good morning, Mr. President. Oh, hello, Congressman. Thank you for saving me the trouble. I was going to send for you. Oh? Well, Mr. President, I was sure you would eventually want to consult with me. Now, don't misunderstand me, Mr. Byron. I don't want to talk about silver. What then, sir? Have you any idea about the seriousness of our financial problem? Indeed I have, sir, and what's more, I have the answer. Silver, I suppose? Yes, sir, silver. That wasn't hard to guess, was it? There isn't a single monetary problem, sir, that could not be completely solved by the free coinage of silver. We have unlimited resources, which, if we availed ourselves of them, would bring prosperity to the entire country. We've gone over all that before, Congressman. And you know I disagree with you. But, Mr. President... Mind you, I have nothing against silver. I understand it makes a very satisfactory filling for teeth. Mr. President. But that doesn't prove it will serve for money standard. What about gold, sir? Where is your adherence to the gold standard leading you? To disaster, that's where. Because you and your supporters are blocking every effort to make the necessary fiscal reforms. That's just what I want to talk to you about. And who are your supporters, Mr. President? The bankers. Apparently, you would rather make a deal with them to prove a point than change your policy and save the country. And you will have your free silver even if you have to wreck the country to get it. Is that it? On the contrary, sir, as you may, may soon learn. I may learn what? I have good reason to believe, sir, that very shortly you, you will come to, to us. In fact, you will have no other choice. I will have no other... Good day, Mr. Byron. Please do not hesitate to call upon me. Good day, Mr. Byron. Good day, Mr. President. 
Thank you, Miss Sarah. Lovely day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 yes. The vibe sounds a little. Miss Sarah, would you come in, please? Yes, sir. What was he so pleased about, Mr. President? Well, I was just thinking about the same thing, Miss Sarah. Well, whatever it is, I'm not amused. I want you to send word to the Secretary of Treasury immediately. Tell him I'd like to see Munson here in the White House. Mr. Munson here, sir? Yes, Miss Sarah. If you want to buy some chops or steaks, uh, where would you go? Why, to the butchers, of course. Uh-huh. But if you want to buy great quantities of beef, you'd have to go to the biggest butcher, wouldn't you? Well, I suppose I would. Well, we need a lot of gold, so I guess I'll have to go to the biggest bankers. <laughs> I have repeatedly told Mr. Carlyle here, Mr. President, I am positive that it will be absolutely impossible for you to secure the necessary gold by a public bond issue. Uh, yes, Mr. Carlyle has reported your views fairly. Now, go on, Mr. Munson, if you please. The government must borrow gold from abroad. That is, the gold obtained for its bonds must be imported from outside so that it won't be promptly redeemable for legal tender. Well? I will undertake to get this gold, provided it is left in my hands. And if I succeed that you will make a private contract for the gold. You know, of course, how I feel about such private contracts. Mm. I also know that an immediate supply of gold from Europe is the only means of averting panic and widespread disaster. And your terms, sir? The syndicate will furnish three and a half million ounces of gold, or about $65 million worth. Half or more of it to come from Europe. In exchange for $62 million in 4% bonds, at one hundred and four and a half to the syndicate. That will yield an interest of three and three quarter percent. That's correct, Mr. Carlyle. Mr. Munson, is that the best offer you can make to save the country? I am offering you a sound guarantee of delivery of a certain amount of gold. I can only make this offer on terms which will protect my investors from unreasonable risks. Well, I guess I'll have to take risks if you won't. I'll have to go back to the public and Congress and act. Yes? I'm sorry, Mr. President, but Congressman Byron insists on seeing you for a moment, You sir. told him I was in conference? Uh, yes, sir, but he says it's urgent. He has information of great importance. Uh, Mr. President, if you want, I think I can tell you what Silver Byron wants to see you about. You can? I assume you know that there is now less than $9 million in gold in the New York sub-treasury? Yes, I know that. You may not know, however, and I surmise that Mr. Byron has just made the discovery that there is one check outstanding for $12 million. Twelve million dollars. John, did you know that? Well, yes, I just found that out myself. I was including it in my new survey. Twelve million dollars. Mr. President, if that check is presented today, all is over. Thank you, Mr. Munson. You needn't labor the point any further. Miss Sarah, uh, please tell Congressman Byron that I have no desire whatever to speak to him. Very well, sir. Now, let's see, Mr. Munson. Just uh, what is your offer? I'm much obliged to you, Mr. Cornell, for allowing me to witness this uh, little transaction. Yeah, no, we're the ones obliged to you, Congressman Diamond, for advising us about the appalling deficit in the sub-treasury. Each day means a greater loss for us, you know. 
Yes, sir. May I help you? Yes. I would like to speak to the Comptroller, please. I am he. Oh, very well. My name is Cornell. I represent the corporation holding this draft in the sub-treasury for $12 million. Oh, yes. How do you do, Mr. Cornell? My board of directors have decided to turn the note in for gold, sir. I see. Well, if you'll just be seated, sir, we'll take a moment or two. I will have armed guards accompany you on a return trip, of course. You, you mean you are able to cash this draft? I beg your pardon, sir. But I thought that... Oh, you're Congressman Byron, aren't you? Uh, yes. I had been told to expect a visit from you, Congressman. I was also advised to reassure you about the gold reserve in this sub-treasury. We can cover your check. Well, Congressman... Uh, Cornell, if you don't mind, I, I think I'll take a walk. And then he said, he'd take a walk. <laughs> I'm afraid I'd have done the same under the circumstances, Mr. President. If I could have only seen Byron's face, I'll bet it wasn't the color of silver. <laughs> you know, he thought he held a club over my head. And it proved less than a toothpick. And not even a silver toothpick. <laughs> well, you'll have to admit, sir, he did hold a club over you for a while. Yes, he did, Miss Sarah. And so did Munson. And that wasn't very comfortable either. You know, making a deal with Munson was the hardest thing I ever had to do. Nobody enjoys giving up or giving in. When you really believe in your position. But sometimes you have to sustain a humiliating defeat in order to win the final victory. After all, Miss Sarah, our country is more important than my particular policy. Silver Barnes's faith in a certain metal. Or even Mr. Munson's money. <laughs> You've probably guessed by now who I was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know. And I'll tell you the answer in just a moment. From the list of great names on Broadway come the illustrious stars you'll hear every Sunday night when it's time for ABC's outstanding dramatic series, Theater Guild on the Air. The formula for this show that is ranked among the top in awards is basic but expert. Take a successful play, adapted for radio, keeping the spirit and mood of the day intact, Cast it with actors who know their work. Then put the whole working script under talented directors. So don't be late when the curtain goes up tonight on Theater Guild on the Air, heard over most of these ABC stations. For the three bests, best plays, best actors, and best presentation, hear Theater Guild on the Air. Now, here again is Edward Arnold. story was 1894 and 1895, and the president then was Grover Cleveland. Caught between the demands of the free silver men, led by principally by William Jennings Bryan, whom we call Silver Byron, and the bankers, led by J.P. Morgan, called Mr. Munson in this story, President Cleveland did yield a position in order to win a greater security. He made a bargain, but the stakes were great, and he did get the gold through the good offices of J.P. Morgan 
which saved the treasury in a time of grave crisis. Come and see me again next week, won't you? I'll have another story for you about Mr. President that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Goodbye. appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Homecoming, starring Clark Gable and Lana Turner. <laughs> Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. It is produced and directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah was played by Betty Lou Gerson. This story by Milton Merlin was suggested by incidents in the administration of President Grover Cleveland. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adlam. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.